0: Hi, I'm Paul Fisher. I'm a senior analyst with Coopinger Cole And today I'm joined by Jim Taylor is head of product with the identity management and security with Semantic. Hi, Jim. Hey, Paul, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Great to have you here this afternoon or this morning, depending on where we are in the world. (laughs) Um, Before before we get started with our sort of discussion, Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about um, IMS and how it's moved to Semantic and what that means uh, for the larger Semantic portfolio and more, most importantly, I guess, for, for your customers.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Happy to, Paul. So, uh, you know, great, great to chat with you again. Um, as you said, you know, lot's been going on with us over here at Broadcom, um, you know, Broadcom obviously been getting into the software business over the last uh, couple of years couple of years ago Broadcom acquired CA um, and that's that's where I come from I was on the CA side of things looking after CA's security portfolio and then about a year ago we acquired Symantec um, and you know we did that because uh, you know a couple of different reasons one we have a focus on growing our uh, software business at Broadcom and we see security as being very very strategic and it just made so much sense there's so much synergy for us to once we acquired Symantec you know we now have one of the world's leading security brands and and one of the largest cybersecurity businesses to move all of the identity and access management, the privileged access management the former security assets of CA into the semantic business. So, you know, we really did that because it, it just gives us that, you know, breadth of portfolio. We added a bunch of capabilities, identity and access management to the semantic portfolio that they didn't have. And we we're able to leverage some of the core security capabilities, you know, that Semantic already had that we didn't as a standalone identity and access management business. So that's really leaning to us being able to focus on some you know, core industry topics and themes, things like SASE, um, zero trust, those kinds of things. We're taking a very kind of comprehensive approach to cybersecurity.
0: Well, uh, I mean, it's exciting times and it's great to hear uh, that there's this new um, sort of impetus there to, for security. And of course you're right that uh, our customers talk an awful lot about uh, privilege access management. And one thing they have been talking about is another thing you mentioned zero trust, um, and for many, zero trust is a lot more than just you know securing the perimeter. So can, can you tell us a bit more how well Semantics Pam technologies fit into the zero trust architecture and modeling?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a that's a great question, and it, it's funny, Paul, because you know, I mean, you and I are not so young anymore. You know, we've been around a while. Um, wow. You know, and, and zero trust by, you know, maybe 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 more me than, than you, but yeah, zero trust, you know, by many other names, the concepts and, and the principles of it have been around forever. Um, you know, but we also see that, you know, even though this stuff has been around for a long time, it's really risen in mindshare recently. And I think that's to do with things like, you know, people migrating to the cloud, more adoption of DevOps technology. Um, You know, the, the crazy circumstances we've all found ourselves in the last year, you know, this huge shift of working from home. Um, but when it comes to PAM, the principles of Zero Trust have really been driving PAM technologies for years. So we look at it in, in you know, these three kind of key uh, core tenants or principles, if you like. And, and so for us, the first principle of Zero Trust is to really identify every user, you know, every device, uh, you know, strong identity, knowing who is, is a critical component. And that's obviously a core use case for pam technologies one of the core use cases or original use cases for pam technologies was always that you know privileged accounts uh, administrative accounts you know uh, dbas database admins root accounts were always traditionally kind of shared you know you had all these super powerful accounts and then organizations would share either internally amongst their admins or externally with contractors those kinds of things and so it was very you know difficult to manage and secure those it became nearly impossible to figure out you know who'd done what or who performed certain activities so that's a core use case of pam that's a directly a core tenant of zero trust and you know, pam technologies address address this with you know credential voting we require people to authenticate to the pam system to identify themselves uh, usually, with some stronger form of authentication like two factor or something like that, before they get access to those shared credentials. The second core tenet for Zero Trust is really to enforce least privilege access. Um, and privilege accounts, generally speaking, you know, things like root accounts have very wide ranges of of entitlements and access and permissions and so that usually represents a huge risk because if compromised a malicious user would have access to steal all sorts of sensitive data or do all sorts of things so uh, PAM as a system tends to enforce a, uh, a finer grained access control even over those privileged accounts so you know what it does is it limits what activities uh, a user can do or, or, or use or files or information the user can access and that's all based on security policy so PAM really helps you to enforce that whole least privileged concept and then finally the third tenant of zero trust is always to assume breach you know always to assume um, and it doesn't matter how strong your security is, but just assume a breach regardless and, and act, uh, adopt a security posture based on that. So, we already discussed a little bit about how PAM helps in this area with identifying and limiting access, but PAM also provides you an indelible audit trail of all of the activities and the accesses that have taken place so in the event of a breach or something like that knowing what's happening or has happened is really critical to being able to mitigate and manage those types of attacks
0: yeah and that's that's really important isn't it a lot of people often think of PAM as just about access but actually having a record of who's done what and uh where they've been is invaluable so session monitoring recording is hugely important i mean you you mentioned breaches and we tend to in the in this security world we 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 don't even talk about breaches very much anymore because like you say they they happen all the time but one that did did um sort of catch the the headlines recently i think just the end of last year was the solar winds attack um and i think that involved uh, unauthorized access to service accounts, um, which in effect are sort of privilege accounts. Um, so obviously that was a bit of a wake up call for, for, for many organizations and I was wondering what you would say to those people that, um, you know, are not sleeping at night now, wondering whether they're going to be the next Solar Winds attack or, or, or similar. So how, how can Pam or semantic yeah. help there?
1: yeah no uh, that's a great question and and you know like you we, we you know we field that question a lot. Um, I think this attack really shocked a lot of people uh certainly made a lot of people think um, you know so for us specific to Pam technologies, obviously we have you know much broader security solutions within within semantic i won 't get into that i 'll focus on 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 pam there there are a couple of key use cases that we really think Pam Type technologies can help prevent or mitigate, you know, similar attacks to, you know, what happened with SolarWinds. So, I mean, obviously, first of all, you know, we're in the digital age. Just about every company now has developers. They're all, you know, writing applications. And, you know, there's there's a proliferation of of source code and those kinds of things around. And so, you know, that that was you know one of the the starting points or, or kill chain for SolarWinds was some injection into uh, of malicious code into source code so you know we really advocate that enterprises really need to look at and, pr- and think about how they protect their source code so pam enables you to enforce very granular access to those systems um, you know where your source code is or, or that have access to your source code, so that includes things like files, folders, you know any processes, registries, those kinds of things. Um, we have a file integrity monitoring capability, which is a bit of a mouthful to say, but what it really does is it sits there and it looks at and it monitors all of your source code and your source code files. And it looks to see if anything's accessing it, anything's changing it, anything's you know uh, tampering with it. And we have the ability to stop that, to prevent that. We can prevent uh, you know tampering programs from accessing those source codes or those source code files, or we can alert on um, you know any kind of uh, interaction with those. So having some preventative controls, and a strong security posture around accessing your source code. Um, we see as critical, and, and that you know could have potentially stopped the whole situation before it started. But then, if I refer back to what I said about zero trust, always assume you're breached. Um, you know, assuming that uh, you know you have been breached, that brings up the second use case that where we see Pam could help. And so that's for any end-user organization that may have inadvertently or unbeknownst to them implemented some kind of malicious source code in their Uh, environment, having those fine-grained access controls in place from something like a PAM solution can really help to mitigate any damage caused by any persistent threats or anything like that. Because obviously, you know, after an attacker gains access, they gain, you know, an administrative privilege, you know, they're usually looking to do things like install a backdoor, a rootkit, you know, they want to start to export sensitive data. You know, those kinds of things. They're looking around for what they can get their hands on and what damage they can do. Well, with proper access controls implemented, you know, attackers, even if they have gained access to a privileged account, it's it limits what they're able to do. So you might even be able to prevent them from accessing things like sensitive files or uh, executing malicious commands. Um, you know, you might be able to set up alerting on those kinds of things. So re- we really advocate that, you know, fine grain controls, you know, implemented through a PAM solution really give you not just peace of mind in terms of, uh, you know, securability, but also auditability and, and tracking. So hopefully that helps people sleep a little bit better at night if they take that, you know, comprehensive approach to their security posture.
0: Yeah, and I think that... Um... I don't know how SolarWinds how the malware got in uh, but it may well have been because of the shift to, to home working and um, we need to secure privilege access from from endpoints that previously pro- weren't even uh, protected um, but I don't want to talk about that right now um, I want to talk about um, DevOps uh, because that, yep. that's even hotter than the SolarWinds attack um, and we we uh cooper recently released our pan for devops leadership compass so it's a sort of hot t- topic for us and you did very well in that i'm, I'm pleased to say um but i was curious as to how you view the area how it's going to develop um, um particularly with with semantic in mind and how are you seeing your customers um, deploying pan for, for their devops
1: yeah I know that's a great question paul and and you know thanks for that we were, we were super pleased to participate in that um you know devops compass I'm uh, very happy with you know the results that we got so um as you say, we're seeing an awful lot of Pam customers starting to leverage uh you know the Pam technology in their devops environment so you know, for us, it's a, a key area of investment. We're actually planning some very significant projects this year to increase our capabilities in DevOps and around things like secrets management and those kinds of things. But, you know, for us, funny enough, we're still seeing a lot of customers. There's almost like a... a, a um, a sophistication curve or a maturity curve of, of how people use this technology. Generally speaking, people you know will buy or, or, or acquire a pan solution to address you know the shared accounts, the admin accounts, um, you know, user-based privileging. Then once they've kind of cracked that and solved that, then they'll move to like the next, you know, next level in the game. They'll start to think about service accounts. Um, you know, system accounts, machine to machine, those kinds of things. Then once they've cracked that, then they start to think about, you know, more of their uh, business processes, DevOps, CICD integration, those kinds of things. So generally, we don't see people uh, purchasing a PAM solution with the primary use case in mind around DevOps. But we do see that they start to get there. It tends to be an extended use case. And so we're starting to have more and more of those types of conversations And so it's an area that we're really starting to invest heavily in. So, you know, we're absolutely aligned with you on that. Um, I would say, in addition, you know, over the last year, our focus has really been around uh, bringing together various solutions and and use cases within the PAM space. As you know, know, we have the uh, traditional uh, PAM server control host-based type solution. We also have, you know, the, the newer kind of PAM password vaulting type solution. So we've really been working to bring those two solutions together into a single capability. Um, You know, and that that kind of goes a little bit to the DevOps question in that we're starting to see people really starting to get to grips with and understand the value of uh, that PAM technology can bring, not just ours, but PAM technology in general, and start to leverage it for other use cases. They want to be able to do host-based controls, they want to be able to do fine-grained you know, controls on, on host-based, they want to be able to do password vaulting, they want to be able to do that in a single solution. So you're seeing a lot of the PAM vendors start to extend and move into adjacencies around use cases like DevOps, secrets Mm -hmm. management, uh, integration with CI/CD, a lot more API integration. Um, And so, you know, we see the same and that's a key critical area of investment for us over the next 12 months.
0: Uh, Do you, you you kind of mentioned it there, but do you think that, people or an organisation might buy a devops sorry a pam solution just for devops or would is it more likely they already have a pam in place i know it's a, a big question for a, a yeah. very frank you know differentiated yes. market but
1: yeah uh, so honestly right now i, I would say I don't. Not at this point. I don't think that would be the only reason that an organization would buy a PAN solution. I think it may be another reason or an additional reason. I think people, you know, once they start to get to grips with the technology, they start to find ways that they can leverage that technology across other use cases. So. We may evolve to that over time, you know, as, as, as the technology and customers and usage of that technology evolves over time, we may get there. Um, but right now, I, I would be surprised if somebody bought and put in a PAM solution just specifically for or only for a set of DevOps use cases. I think they're more likely to buy that technology platform for a broader set of use cases and then also leverage it for DevOps capabilities. Yeah, yeah.
0: Great. Um, I, think, I think it was two thousand and eighteen that GDPR uh, finally uh, came into being in Europe, and now there's PSD two. Uh, there's also the California privacy laws, and one in New York, I believe. Um, and data privacy is is obviously very much on on everyone's minds, and it's it is an important subject. Um, but can you how? Probably a lot of people don't necessarily think, they think of data governance solutions and IT, uh, yep. GRC, etc. They don't know, always think of PAM as, a, uh, as one way of meeting these, these uh, compliance rules. So perhaps you could tell us a bit more how that, that would help
1: yeah no absolutely and 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 it's a, it's an interesting topic right i mean and uh yeah. the one thing we know about data privacy and and regulation is is there's never going to be less of it you know, there's always you can always count on there being more um, We also see that you know there's more uh you know governments are now kind of getting to the point where there's more consequences around those types of things you 're getting more kind of you know fines and 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 that kind of stuff going on around that so Um, You know, generally speaking, the way we look at regulation is is I like to break it down into there's, there's more or less basically two different types of requirement. The first one is accountability. You know, can an organization, you know, really control access to or manage access to, you know, systems or data or processes that have regulated information like, for example, PII um so you know m- m- that's one key area the second key area for us is it is around things like attestation and certification as you mentioned there's a lot of data governance tools those kinds of things you know i mean semantic we're a big dlp vendor you know we we have a lot of those capabilities as well but organizations really need to uh, be able to accurate, accurately report on who's accessed those systems? Uh, you know who can access that data? How are they managing and governing those entitlements to really ensure that least privilege is is being enforced? So, you know what we see Pam offering in this space, where we see you know Pam giving capabilities, is you know obviously we talked a little bit about um, you know the access controls and fine grained access that. Uh, you know, PAM can do that. Obviously, you know, certainly helps and and by default good security tools like PAM deny access to uh, users and and through policy you allow access. So there's an inherent base of of security. You take that and combine it with the monitoring and the auditing capabilities that an auditor who's enforcing a regulation might want to see um, and generally speaking, regardless of the regulation, showing that you have good security, uh, good security uh, controls in place, um, being able to prove that through things like auditing, um, you know, uh, uh, and, and showing that to your auditors, and then finally you know, integrating with other security solutions, like, you know, IGA solutions, governance solutions, which by the way, we do, we offer those capabilities, but we also very much believe in, in customer choice. So we integrate with market leading solutions like SailPoint out of the box um, to give you that certification and attestation. That overall approach uh, tends to help satisfy a lot of regulatory com- requirements.
0: Okay. Well, that- Thanks very much. That's some great um, information there. Maybe we could just finish with a bit of um, sort of crystal ball glazing glazing uh, gazing um, and where, where you think Pam is going maybe in the next two or three years in terms of product development.
1: Yeah, no, sure, absolutely. So uh, I think it's a very interesting time for PAM. Some of these basic concepts or basic use cases have been around for a long time, but I'm starting to feel like the industry as a whole has kind of cracked those base use cases and you Know the, those base capabilities, and so now PAM is starting to evolve um, and it's starting to move into adjacencies, which is always a very interesting time in a in, you know in a technology's life cycle. So, you know, just as, as you brought up and, and rightly mentioned, Paul, you know, we see things like uh, DevOps, uh, you know, secrets management, uh, you know, broader integration of PAM into the wider security ecosystem, um, you know, machine integrations. You know, we see a lot of our customers have kind of, you know, moved past that first stage of securing users and admins and are now looking at things like service accounts, machine to machine. You know, uh, banks want to secure you know, ATMs or cash points access into their financial network. So we really see that PAM has a great set of core security capabilities and it's going to expand and move into adjacencies. So I think, you know, DevOps is, is key and critical, but I also think service accounts and, and non-human or, or non-machine things are going to be big in the PAM space and just general overall integration into the CICD and the, the digital ecosystem, if you like. Um, it's an exciting time.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, um, even we've sent out the invitations for Leadership Cuppers 2021, and we've got just as many as last year, um, but that allows for the fact that a couple of companies have been acquired. So it's, it's, it's a really dynamic area at the moment. So I'm really it happy is. that I'm, I'm covering it. So Jim Taylor, thank you very much for uh, answering the questions this afternoon. And with that, I'll um, say goodbye.
1: Thanks, Paul. Great chatting with you again.